Hello and welcome to Breakout, the podcast from The Great Escape. Today, we pay our respects to the videotape. I'm Rich. Joining me is Felic. Hi. Ben. Hello. Chrissy. Hello. And Mark. Huh? As we record this podcast, news has come in that the last video recorder has rolled off the production line, bringing an end to an era. No! Being born in the 80s, I remember my family getting their first video recorder. It was a Panasonic something or other. Um, and the fact that none of my family know, knew how to program it, and thus being the child, I had to learn everything about this video recorder in order for my family to actually use it. But being, you know, at a certain age, I remember that the video recorder played all the post and pads, all the clangers, all the bagpuss, and then later on was recording every movie I could find on TV and just putting it and labelling it very, very carefully and so many memories. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy, what's your memories of the golden age of video? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, as, as a young child, it was definitely the... Um you know the, the fact you could you could watch your favorite favorite shows over and over again. I wore out, so I'm a I'm a like I'm a compulsive rewatcher. I think with with a lot of things, um, and I was even more so as a child. So I had uh, a few things like I had Wind in the Willows on a on a bought cassette. I had um, Ivor the Engine that was cool, um, and a couple of My Little Pony stories, which I've never been able to track down since. There's a lot of things that I owned on video as a child that I've never actually been able to find. You know, in a modern format, that, that, that you know, probably disappeared into obscurity. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was great to be able to like watch these things over and over, and to put them on whenever you wanted to as well. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I don't really remember a time not having a video recorder because I think think my family had one from when I was quite young. Mm. Um, I do remember when we got a new video recorder at some point when I was probably about seven or eight. And uh, this new video recorder was state of the art. It had perfect pause, which, you know, it, it, this is something that people nowadays with, with DVD and, and streaming probably don't appreciate. Because uh, you, when you, you pause the picture, it, it just stops, doesn't it? But, but on VHS, it didn't. It just it went into this sort of weird holding pattern of, <laughs> of blurry static lines like fading across the screen. And um, this state-of-the-art video recorder had perfect pause, which allowed you to actually stop on a single frame of the video, which was something you couldn't do on a lot of cheaper video recorders. And um, it also had this amazing picture-in-picture -picture feature where you could be watching your videotape and have the live TV in a little window in the top corner, which I thought was the most amazing, like, you know, futuristic thing ever at the time. I didn't even know video players could ever do that. We, we found one that did. <laughs> I used to play with that feature all the time. So you mentioned it earlier about wearing videotapes out. I've got quite a few tapes from my childhood, which somewhere in it, you'd get like the picture and all of a sudden a garbled mess and then it would continue normally because it had been patched up with, uh, with sellotape. Tape, yeah. <laughs> they were never quite the same though. They didn't go through no. the machine quite as smoothly. No. So are you, Mark? I think my earliest encounter with our video player was inserting numerous coloured crowns into the uh, tape uh, area. Ah, a tradition that lives on with your children and your Xbox now. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. But I was renowned for this for, for many a year. Um, 
But we did have we did have them early on. We did have them early on. Actually, uh, tape recorders. But I do vaguely recall us getting them because I I was very excited to be able to record about two or three episodes of the real Ghostbusters to watch on that endless, endless loop until the tape got chewed up. And then these episodes became lost in time as myths long since dreamed of and never to be seen. It's kind of ruined by the internet. You can find anything on there now. You go and watch everything in childhood and realise the animation was terrible. But, um, oh, yeah, don't watch He-Man again. That's good advice anyway, I think. But, um, <laughs> quite, quite aside from... Um, that my first real videotape I ever purchased uh, with my own money was uh, Doctor Who Day of the Daleks from the early BBC run, which had been like 1990, 89 when they first sort of did them. And it was my own tape and <laughs> it was watched religiously, literally from home from school every single day for, you know, like 80 minutes. Watch that and then and rewind it and always got to remember to rewind. Otherwise, you have to wait the next time while it rewinds and wait to start it again, which is another thing is underappreciated. Always rewind the tape at the end of watching it. Yeah. However, I would like to add the bonus, and this I speak especially for my lecturing uh, aspect of VHS, is that when you stop it somewhere, it starts somewhere. You know, at the same place. You don't have to go for about five minutes of menus. Early DVDs were especially bad for this. Um, especially when you want to queue up clips to, to say, show students and the like. Having to sit through menus and find them is much more frustrating than simply putting the tape in, in the right place. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's the one area that I feel that... Uh, Interestingly, QD... I think that uh, Blu-ray is actually now trying to recreate this this feeling because um, our, we, we use our uh, PS3 as our Blu-ray player and um, it will remember quite a few Blu-rays. If you put them in, it will remember where it got to. And DVDs. And Well, yeah, yeah, with DVDs as well. But um, I often find that if I put in a DVD that I have watched through before to the end, it will be on the credits and it will ask me if I want to resume playback on the yes. credits. Like, you have no functionality to rewind it at the end. You have to start it again when you put it in. And I think it's almost like a little nostalgic nod to, the, to that frustration of putting your, DVD, your your VHS video in and finding it's at the end of the tape. Clearly deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was a very privileged child and my parents got our first video recorder Um I think it was before I was born or when I was a newborn. Um, it was one of those big old, like, suitcase-style ones <laughs> where you, you press the eject button and then the, it kind of shoots out of the top of the video player instead of the front. They were very cool. Um, so all my Isn't life... Isn't that a toaster? <laughs> <laughs> so all my life I've been privileged with, uh, with video players. Um, some of my earliest memories, though, as a toddler was my dad showing me how to um, how to put sellotape over the tab so you could re-record over um, a video that you've taken the tab off or even a store-bought video that you didn't really like. You could record something good on it. Um, <laughs> and uh, also, who remembers um, what you do with a cotton bud and nail varnish remover? I do, but it's nothing to do with VHS, so I ah. probably shouldn't mention it. What do you do with cotton bud and nail varnish remover? You've never cleaned the heads on your video player? No. With a cotton bud and nail varnish no. remover? No. No? No. I had a head cleaner. 
which is a videotape section four cleaning the video and it'd be um the first one we had had um like little gaps where you had to put fluid Mm. into slots and load it into the machine we had a a head cleaner on a tape but it was like just a magnetic like an anti-static one i think but to be Mm. fair once you got onto the front loading ones you couldn't access the heads anyway it was only with the top loading ones that you could actually get into you know where they were as a five-year-old, I could find a way. Oh, well, that's true. I, You've got very small hands. Yeah, yeah. small hands. <laughs> that's you, why you were the one who had to do it. <laughs> that's right, yeah. You, you can get your fingers into the mechanisms yeah. quite nicely. <laughs> Crown's going well, too. Also, I remember we had a video shop um, just across the road from us. Um, and uh, I remember the, the bitter disappointment as a child of getting my favourite video home and realising they'd accidentally given us the Betamax version. <laughs> oh! <laughs> wait, wait, sure. Was that Jerry's video or was that... No, the... no, this is one in Kingsham. Oh. Um, I can't remember what it was called. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you'd go into the shop and there were there were two sections, a VHS section and a Betamax section. I must um, admit, I didn't start renting videos until after that had passed. Yeah. I think that, um, actually, as a child, whilst I did have um, videotapes given as like Christmas gifts and birthday gifts and what and so on and so forth. I do remember that a lot of the films that I and video series that I watched um as a child came from the video shop, be it um inner space stations in York <laughs> or later on Choices Video. And um yeah, things like The Simpsons. Because we never had Sky, The Simpsons the first time I watched it on a VHS tape that had come from the video shop. I had mm. quite a few ex-rental videos that I bought at, like, bargain prices that had been, like, watched by many video recorders around Portishead. Um, that, we, you know, they were then selling off for, like, a pound each or something, and I'd buy those and then I'd take home. <laughs> I bought a lot of them, and that's actually when I thought was quite sad, is that video shop started doing that, probably towards the death mm. sort of time. But early on, I remember... In late 80s and 90s, went to a video shop and they'd have like every video they ever had there and it would just be packed and it'd be like, you know, going to a shop today, but every tape was like something different. They just sort of became just the latest yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. video shops made a bit of an impact on me as a, a young child because um, I kind of developed a bit of an OCD of recording every film that was on the telly um, and creating my own sort of mega library. I went through that phase. Of, uh, <laughs> of films. <laughs> Um, well, how much did it change your life when you got your first long play video recorder then? And then you could suddenly put three films on one tape. I was actually, I was a purist, so actually I didn't like using the long play functions for films because I felt like it degraded the quality. <laughs> I, I think ironically, I never used long play. I, I, I used it because for I, series I mean, and things like that. If, if I wanted hmm. to record something that was longer than the length of the tape hmm. allowed, or it was lots of episodes or something, hmm. I used the long play function. Or it was a movie, it. and I wanted to preserve it in the best quality. I always used the regular length. I do remember my greatest experience with long play, and that was um, when when I'd moved to Bristol, and me and Mark were watching horror films of all kinds of sorts. That um, one time I'd gone to Forbidden Planet, and they had this wide selection of videotapes. And I went, huh, well, one, this one looks atrocious. I'm going to bring that one home. And that was Stuff Stephanie in the Incinerator, which sadly I've never watched to this day. And the reason why is that the first time that we tried to watch it, there was something wrong with the tape and it kept switching to short play and long play. So it would go all the way through. I had to give up in the end. But uh, it was quite an experience. <laughs> 
Probably film probably would have been better to watch that way, to be honest. But I'm quite intrigued by the last member of this uh, this group's uh, thoughts on VHS because <laughs> you're somewhat uh, the young, youngest person here. I, I don't know, actually. They did dominate my childhood quite a lot. It was mostly ones I recorded myself, though. Like Ben with films, I recorded a lot of TV shows, um, methodically labelling them and keeping them. And I remember the feeling back then, which is completely different to now, of... If I don't record this, unless there's a repeat, I'll probably never see this again. Whereas now, you take it for granted because, you know, you, you almost just don't watch things because you know that they'll be there all the time. And it was that feeling of, if I don't record this, I probably won't see it again. So mm. that's something that I noticed particularly that's changed. Um, mostly with TV shows rather than films, obviously. But. Yeah. Mm. Actually, interestingly, um, I've even gone through that phase now with DVDs because DVDs sort of like the price of DVDs crashed through the floor at some point in the, you know history. And, uh, um, you know, DVDs became really cheap to be able to buy a pre-recorded copy of something. And, and I, in the last sort of three or four years... I've been looking at stuff, weighing up the, the the value of the space on my shelf versus the probability of it being on Netflix, <laughs> you know, and, and actually finding myself looking and going, yeah, oh no, I'll be able to find it later. It, it, I don't need to own it now because I will just be able to go and find it somewhere else whenever I actually want to watch it. So, you know, that's interesting that, you know, that, that it's going through phases even now, you know, of, of, of that sort of feeling, I think. I mean, it's, it's a completely different world. I mean, going back, BBC would just... Um, and, and everyone, is standard practice on TV, things wouldn't be repeated. Um, at a point, Felix's observations just now were literally true. They would junk things. There's a hundred missing episodes of Doctor Who because mm. the masters were wiped. The, there's no existing copies of the visuals of these mm. stories. And actually, in the late 70s, early 80s, as um, VHS is, you started to take off and certain uh, more um, wealthy fans were earlier doctors would get them and even going for the 80s suddenly it was like there was like this weird illicit fan trade of oh my god I've got a copy of this and there's loads of stories out there of fans watching videotapes of like 60s Doctor Who intense with barely discernible imagery flickering up and down constantly going wait wait I think I saw someone there you know and the audio is terrible but it's almost a trade of just trying to get them because they felt mm. so like it was going to go and getting into horror as Rich mentioned before it was became very much a true the TV times every week to see what horror films were on late at night to record because you might never see them again. Funnily really enough, we do that, that with our Sky, box, Sky Plus box now. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got a little sort of like re regular routine of searching for Hammer and just if anything <laughs> comes up, we just record it. Because <laughs> but we don't keep them. We don't keep them. We just we watch them and then we, we delete them. But, um, mm. you know, on the basis that we can probably find them somewhere else at a later date. Yeah. But I do totally agree with you about VHS and the wide selection of content that is actually still not available on DVD or Blu-ray or digital, um, in a w way, there's a lot of VHS fans who are collecting videos exclusively for all of the films that have basically vanished because the only copies left are the video copies. I have a quick question, actually. Uh, to everybody all around the table, um, what VHS videos do you still own, if any? Ooh. I have my Hammer's Dracula video copy, which I have mainly kept out for the last 
three or four years because I would use it every year to show a clip uh, <laughs> to students as an example. Um, and as I said before, having the VHS made that easier. And yeah. It's one actually I never really got round to rebuying. I plan to at some point, but yeah. it will always be there. And that's another case. Yeah. It used to be a case of, oh my God, on the shelf of this Virgin Megastore, there's a VHS copy of Friday the 13th Part 2. I've never seen that before. Buy it. Yeah. Even when they were out and released, you wouldn't necessarily see them everywhere. Now it's like, well, it'll turn up somewhere. I'll yeah. get it online, Amazon yeah, or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have, and I will always keep and never get rid of, my my VHS copy of Star Wars, which is actually the, um, the restored version that they did before they did the remastered version. so The 1997 special edition. Yes, exactly. And yeah. um, that is not a version you can get on DVD, I don't think, anymore. So um, I'm never going to be parting with that one. <laughs> and in response, I'm going to keep my 1993 THX Star Wars uh, VHS box set. Um, but I myself, I think I've held on to um, my copy of Hackers... Actually, first time I watched it was from Choices Video. Um, but also, I think I've kept my copy of The Matrix because, again, it's one of those films that was iconic for my childhood. Mm. I do have a large box in the attic of Doctor Who VHS tapes, which I have all rebought on, on DVD anyway. But I would say a lot of them are got signed sleeves, which is one thing. And another, there is just... Certain merchandise franchisable, like the Star Wars thing as well, it's always going to have a value to someone. Yeah. I've also got something something very important that I have on, on video, which actually when I uh, recorded off the television video, and it is a, uh, a little known and probably much lost to the, to the histories of time, uh, BBC documentary filmed in no other place but Portishead, <laughs> or part of it was filmed in Portishead, at High Down School. Oh, that's what that was. (laughs) I still have a copy of, um, I think, what was it? Uh, It's like a drop to drink, I think it's called, the uh, the, the episode. It was all about the water cycle and, um, you know, about water uh, provision around the country. And there's a segment within it which they filmed at our school and I'm in it and I get to sprinkle water on the map of Britain with a little watering can. So (laughs) I have kept that and I promise, (laughs) because I don't think this is likely to be anywhere else you know that anyone can access i promise i will get that up on youtube by the time that we um issue this podcast so you can all see me um, as a five-year-old watering a map of britain with a tiny watering can <laughs> i'm going to hold you to that promise because yeah. i really want to want to watch that now i can't actually remember what vhs is what i've got at home um, i'm sure i've got some knocking about that i haven't thrown out yet but um i did buy one was it christmas i bought that Sometime last year, yeah. Basically, my dad wanted um, an old biker film on DVD called Masters of Menace. And uh, it never was released on DVD, so I had to buy the VHS. Um, So I managed to find it on eBay in pretty good condition. I think I paid a fiver for it. And now I've got to transfer it over onto DVD for him because he hasn't got a video player anymore. (laughs) But luckily, we still have got one lying around. Um... I just hope it's not kind of knackered beyond all hope. <laughs> and I don't put the tape in and then it, it chews it up. Oh, God, that was so horrible. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I might try and find a, an old VHS I can just test to make sure it's not it's not a hungry video player <laughs> before I, um, I uh, put Masters of Menace in. 
When it comes to um, home video from the eighties and nineties, Laserdisc was one that passed me by. Now, I know that uh, my brother, his friend, who was into high technology and so on and so forth, he had a Laserdisc player. Mm-hmm. But I actually don't know anybody else who owned one. I, all I, the only the only contact I ever had with Laserdisc is I'm pretty sure that one of the IT rooms at Gordano School had a Laserdisc hanging on the wall. It did. For some, some unknown reason. And everybody was all like, what's that? Looks <laughs> like it, a giant CD. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it wasn't even a an actual, like, pre-recorded laser disc it was a recordable laser disc yeah and it was just there I, I, I mean I don't think anyone ever used it for anything no you know it's probably just kicking around from the, the doomsday box days I've ever had with laser discs I've known a fair few people with copies of laser discs and films on laser discs usually collect to be people no players I know more people <laughs> with just laser disc copies of things than actually any that, 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 that was why Laserdisc never took off. They sold all the Laserdiscs, they forgot to sell the players to go with them. <laughs> Everybody bought the Laserdiscs and they were like, wait, how do we play this? Mm. But I do know it's um, that Laserdiscs are the source of um, a lot of lost films that have managed to be just about big enough to be on a Laserdisc. Um, I've seen, obviously, Star Wars, but basically all of the... Star Wars aficionados want to be finding the best copies of the old Star Wars that George Lucas doesn't want you to have. <laughs> and a lot of the original sources for that were the Laserdisc copies because they were the best ones, to, um, the best format to go for. Yeah. They were slightly better resolution, obviously it didn't suffer from a loss of picture over repeated viewings. Although I hear that they've got problems where they do eventually die, which is pretty stupid, really. Um, but really, that was from the home cinema market. Um, I myself have not got a particularly fantastic home cinema set up. It's basically a bog-standard TV with a hi-fi attached to it. I can't believe how the cost of TVs has come down. We we, we paid somewhere in the region of about £400 for our TV when we mm-hmm. bought it, and it it's a 32-inch flat screen TV not um, does it have a additional tuner in it does it does so, yeah, it, has, so, so, it has standard free view so, so, yes but it's um, you know so it's HD but it's not anything other than that special so um, and that was about £400 when we bought it you can now get like a 50 inch television for £400 it's ridiculous mm. <laughs> I remember when the television was a massive box that you couldn't even pick up so oh yeah you know but so do we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I've this TV for that long. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, <laughs> our previous TV was a heavy box that you couldn't yeah. hardly pick up. Uh, Talking about um, going back to laser discs, I, I don't know anyone who had a laser disc player either. Um, I but you were no, I just kind of went straight from VHS to DVD. Um, although a couple of years ago, I found out about a piece of technology which. Um, which I would have loved at the time, but I don't think it ever kind of became big enough. And that's the the consumer version of digital VHS. Oh, D-theatre. Mm. Does anyone know anyone who had one of those or had any oh, experience of those? Of Heck, I don't think that... Um, I don't even know if it came across the UK. It no? was... What, what D-theatre was, was it was between the periods of DVD and the HD, DVD, Blu-ray format wars. Somebody thought, wouldn't it be a great solution? We've got all these these videotape players. Theoretically, we could put HD footage on it. 
and therefore, for a short period of time, you could buy um, films in 1080i or some um, bizarre ratio. Um, and it's literally high, HD videotape. Yeah. I'd have loved to have had, had a little play around with one of those. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you well, what, I, I had uh, something that, uh, talking of playing around with uh, with, with the VHS technology, um, when I was quite young, uh, my family had a, a, a JVC camcorder. And this camcorder recorded on little mini VHS tapes, which you then fed into uh, like a little adapter, like a a VHS tape sized adapter. And it sort of put little pegs in and stretched the tape out around all the little heads and and everything. And um, and then you put that straight into your normal video player. Um, So you could you could record your own videos and play them back on your own video recorder right there and then. And I thought this was magic. I used to use it to make um, little animations and things. Because um, uh, it had a, a sort of stop motion feature on it, where you could get it to take little very short clips of it film, and and I used to play with my toys and have them move around. Another little donation to YouTube here, I think, coming along. <laughs> I think mm. uh, one of them was Trolls Day Out. So there you go, Trolls Day Out will soon be coming to YouTube. <laughs> Made when I was about five. <laughs> um, but that was like that was brilliant. You know, you could uh, you could literally put it into this adapter, and it would just like pull the tape out and put it in your video player, and off you go. Mm. So. You have actually entirely reminded me that the first film that me, you and Mark ever worked on was initially started on a VHSC yes. video camera that we borrowed <laughs> from... shall not be named. We borrowed from, uh, from Gordano, yeah. from the secondary school. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and Before actually, we switched over to mini-DV, didn't we? We switched yeah. to mini-DV yeah. and, yeah... But uh, yes, the film that shall not be named, not coming soon to YouTube. No. <laughs> However, um, unfortunately, I do know that, Mark, your previous films still exist on VHSC. Um, Quite possibly. But, you know, there's. it's interesting that that kind of format and that kind of recorded stuff is much more easily lost in many ways. Mm. But it doesn't have that kind of adaptability I mean now people I, I, I know my mum's got some old school videos that she's getting transferred onto DVD because kind of yeah. there's the sense that this is this weird notion that VHS was once seen as, as you were saying before as this preservation of something that would be lost forever now right. it's sort of oh my god it's on VHS we could lose this it seems so vulnerable now doesn't mm. it yeah i tell you the thing I find most nostalgic about watching an old VHS is not the film or the TV programme that was on it, but the adverts between them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How much do you watch the adverts and think, oh, I remember this advert? And That's so true. I mean, to be fair, I was quite sort of um, fastidious about pausing the recording when the adverts came on, and I regret doing that now because, you know, we used to stop the recording between, between the, and, you know. But yeah. uh, what we do have quite a lot of is old Sky Movies idents because mm. um, we, we had Sky and we recorded a lot of movies off Sky so um, we had the, the different logos and the, like, the history of the logos <laughs> I certainly remember back in the 80s and the early 90s adverts being a lot more humorous than they are today and yeah. often kind of watching back old videos with the adverts it was it was quite a comical experience because there are a lot of very funny adverts on it's there it's a very nostalgic experience isn't it it? Is. seeing old adverts luckily some of them are now on YouTube that people have <laughs> You know, dug out their old VHSs. Actually, I think in a way, YouTube is now like almost like one. Well, one half of it is people doing weird things with, with editing clips together, but the, the the other half is almost like a like a wiki archive 
of, mm. of things that people have found and preserved by uploading them to to YouTube. It's uh, but that's all why VHS feels so fragile, I guess, because mm. it's one thing. We're in an age now of things have to be digital, which is weird. Where there isn't a physical copy, it feels more safe. Which is almost a, a misnomer, uh, isn't yeah. it? It's almost you know if you think one, you know, you could lose all of that in one go. One, you know. There's actually a famous story from the BBC archives where um, back when um, they wanted to to preserve, they got into this whole preservation scheme, they transferred all of the old quad videotapes, which are broadcast standard videotapes, onto the most recent format in order to keep it preserved. And one of the formats they've used is a format called D3. This is a modern professional digital recording format. But what's happened is that D3 has become obsolete in itself. And more importantly, those machines have stopped being made as well. So there's a limited number of heads, of video play heads, available. And they do know that the play heads only last a certain number of plays before they stop working. So the BBC have, to, have had to purchase every video head available in the market. So therefore they can transfer all of the content from D3, which is now an obsolete format, to the new one. But the terrible thing is they don't have enough video heads to preserve the whole of their archive. They could only do about 40% of the archive they have. That's a, that's a strange idea, really, because you would, you would think that you could... I mean, a bit like in the way that, that, that vinyl, though, OK, yes, the vinyl presses never went out of uh, use but you know in theory you know vinyl was on the brink of actually going completely obsolete and now you get a lot of vinyl being produced you don't i don't see why they couldn't you know make more heads i mean i understand that the, the, you know, the technology they've got examples of the technology is there no way of reverse engineering it just to produce more supposedly not oh. budgetary I suppose, yeah more importantly the, as well. yeah. admittedly in the last few years as everyone here is aware of the BBC is going through a period of turmoil <laughs> and their the amount of money that they have available has gone down over time yeah. um, as a result I think it's last unlikely that, I, yeah I think it's unlikely that the BBC is going to be alla- uh, allowed to use budget to go and have somebody manufacture more video playheads mm. for their machines and it's it, but it's one of those things um Luckily, I think that VHS, whilst there are some really good quality uh, video recorders that you want to be using, you want to preserve things properly, there are still a large enough number of video uh, machines out there that um, videotapes will be playable for a considerable amount of time from this point forward. And technology-wise, I mean, having looked inside, how... I I would imagine... a video player is, is not so difficult to repair relatively? It's not too complicated to repair. It's just that they do have um, parts that expire. More important, importantly, the head is the, mo- well, is the bit that these are placing it once in a while. The new story we started this uh, this podcast off with, uh, you know, said that the last, you know, full unit had rolled. That doesn't mean they're going to stop making the parts because there will still be a market for those. Mm, potentially you know, and that may well carry on for some time although it's I imagine a bit like rover cars you know they stop making the cars but they still make the parts yeah but, 
Although, funnily enough, I think we're... Yeah, I think what's ha- going to happen is that whilst the current manufacturers are going to be... Because it's Funai who make a lot of budget um, video recorders. Um, whilst they will stop making machines, there will be third-party suppliers who will still be have a stockpile of parts and will do for some time. Yeah. And when it comes to Rover, eventually you know, those parts will dry up. Yeah. But I suppose what we're trying to say is to all people out there who still own VHS and wants to uh, preserve their VHS uh, copies for, for all eternity, you know, transfer them now <laughs> before it's too late. <laughs> Something else that um, the death of VHS is responsible for. Um, who remembers as a kid getting um, Christmas presents or birthday presents from distant relatives or acquaintances and it would be a three pack of scotch e180s <laughs> yes yes, yes I do. actually yes 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 i do so it's like a common experience isn't it, it is yeah <laughs> it, it's the go-to gift isn't it well it, uh, it was <laughs> it, well, yeah it was the go-to gift yeah. when you know what do you buy a 12 year old uh, who you don't see very often uh, you no idea what they're into Ah, pack of videotapes and they can record what they want off the telly. Mm. Videotapes and socks usually wrapped yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but of course that's gone now. Oh, yeah. A yes. whole genre of gifts just erased. I think the funny thing is, is that um, digital media like uh, CDs and DVDs, I think there was such a... I mean, when VHS came out, I mean, the pre-recorded VHSs were almost incidental to the home recording you know, it was actually when, when it first came out, it really, the, the home recording was the main feature and the fact that you could get pre-recorded ones was, was secondary. Whereas obviously DVDs was more about the pre-recorded and, and you didn't get DVD recorders until much later and even and, then they were still very expensive. And even then, the, it's just not a thing, is it? No. You know, if something's on TV, you can't record no. it unless you're using... And I think, equally, there was also a, very, there was a, a, a sort of short hiatus period which, you know, where you had... VHS stayed as the, as the principal home recording mechanism right up to the point where you no longer really needed a, a, a physical recording mechanism. You know, it, it almost went VHS digital recorder. That was, you know, VHS TiVo, you know. Um, you know, it, it's like there wasn't really a period in time where a disc-based media took over as the primary home recording mechanism. So you never got packs of, you know, CDRs or DVDRs as a substitute present, did you? Well, as, as, as someone who does not have this... Digital team. You got a Sky, you got Sky, Sky haven't you? No, no, oh, you no. no, no. We certainly don't have any sort of weird digital recording no, things. Geez. It's very frustrating not having any mm. form of uh, recording really. Well, TiVo and Sky Plus are kind of the same thing, and and my mum and dad have a a hard drive based um, digital recorder, which is basically a VHS, DVDR, and. Uh, um, hard drive rolled into one so you can record on any media and transfer from one to the other it's quite cool <laughs> um but uh, that was a fun eye brand one as well yeah so so yeah but um i mean i don't think that really you know dvds as a recording mechanism never really came up didn't they i mean i think yeah. what's funny is that um for a lot of people preservation was not um not high priority to them really vhs was used to record whatever you wanted to watch in the next week um, and once all of the people who, who were avid movie watchers, w- when they transitioned over to DVDs and DVDs were relatively cheap, you would not bother 
kind of keeping a high-quality VHS copy of a film, you would likely buy a pre-recorded copy or DVD copy. Well, I've, I've actually I've, I've uh, replaced the vast majority of my recorded off the television VHS collection that I had as a, a child and teenager. I've replaced the vast majority of that with DVD copies. Mm. I'd like to take a moment to bash VHS <gasps> and... Uh, <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, we've, we've uh, talked about... We've the, given it the, the, the title of it. We've talked about all its positive aspects. But let's face it, slim, complete series box set or 22 episodes of Starship The Next Generation across 12 tapes taking up half a wall. There was this real bizarre aspect of series on video of like two, if you're lucky, three episodes per tape for like 20-plus episode series. And you'd need... Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically a box set is the size as one tape and you'd need 11 to get a whole series there. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this, almost this notion where, like, a film's 90 minutes and you'll buy that on a single tape, so you must have two episodes of 90 minutes, so that goes on a single tape. Hmm. Aspect to it. Yeah, the, the, the physical density of recording media was like vastly different, really, wasn't it? But I love the fact that DVDs, uh, even DVDs, never really went to the slim cases until, you know, quite quite late on. You know, hmm. they, they, it's like they almost wanted to have that physical presence that competed. <laughs> well, Farscape had this really confusing era when, when everything was trying to work out, and what they did is release their first series in little cardboard boxes with two DVD cases where of a disc with two and three episodes. So you get five episodes in two DVD cases. So it was like a weird halfway point between... And then they yeah. charged... And funnily like the enough, two DVD cases kind of makes one VHS, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> it's like almost trying to, so, trying to emulate the size mm. of shape. So it kind of halved the amount of shelf space it took, but yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a bizarre one, it really is. <laughs> yeah. I had the entire collection of Buffy on VHS... Actually, no, I didn't have the entire collection. I had the entirety of Buffy. I didn't have all of Angel, but um, yeah. yeah, I had a full collection of Buffy on VHS, and that was weighty. And that was <laughs> that was reduced. The Buffy were actually done in like three, half number yeah. of tapes, like three, four, four well, no, episodes of tape because yeah. it was done. Even um, then, it was three tapes, eleven episodes because it was yeah. two boxes yeah. per, per series. series. Yeah, yeah. But that's rather than six tapes for eleven. Yeah, yeah. it was actually a, a reduced number for, for yeah. Buffy and Angel, which was was quite the, the selling point for it, actually, at the time. I thought yeah. those box sets were mm. were unique. And I think, weirdly, they're, they're, they're almost a precursor to modern box sets in many ways. Yeah, well, actually, that Hitchhiker's um, box set that Chrissy uh, brought up is one series of, I believe it's four episodes, and it's on two videotapes. Hoo-hoo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh. You know, I think another thing that, that um, has sort of been a little bit lost to time is that um, a lot of people think of DVDs as being the dawn of the added extra features, right? You know, the, the you know the, the added, like, you know, making of documentaries and trailers and this, that and the other. But there were some pre-recorded VHS videos that had extra features on the end. Mm. And uh, I'm pretty sure that my Star Wars uh, VHSs have... Um, making ofs on the end uh, about the restoration yeah. process that the, mm. the film went through, and um, those those little documentary things and everything, a lot of those are lost because obviously they were mm. packing features that weren't necessarily 
you know, if when they if they've ever re-released the film, they haven't re-released the whole content of the, of the VHS. Yeah, so. be online somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We've some like Star Wars, someone Star, have yeah. Star Wars, yeah, yeah. everything, well, yeah, everything's Star, been archived. I, okay, that's just an example. Um, I'm just saying but, there are other yeah. things but, that have that. Yeah. And yeah, I think that we've mentioned in previous podcasts about the idea that nowadays they're going backwards in terms of their special features, where the blockbusters do get their you know like several features in addition to the film. But a lot of the classic films now come with nothing at all apart from the film itself. And a lot of the time in the blockbusters, they keep it for the Blu-ray and a kind of yeah. idea that they're trying to push people forward. I was just thinking, did audio commentaries not exist then until DUDs because there was no way to switch between With channels? With audio commentaries, they didn't make it to VHS, but Laserdiscs had in the 80s and 90s um, the ability to sw- to have multiple languages on one film. A lot of the early uh, DVDs, actually, of quite a few films that I had were reused commentaries from the Laserdisc. Right. I remember, I uh, know the Hellraiser DVD, one of the commentary tracks, interesting, they recorded a new one, there was another one where they talk about this Laserdisc. Funny anecdote, um, Kevin Smith was a big fan of Laserdiscs and when DVDs came along he was completely against it to the point where actually I think it's the Morats DVD still has the Laserdisc commentary on it and um, at one point Kevin Smith uh, says F DVD (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of weird crossover formats did anybody ever, ever come across one of those strange very early DVDs that was a flipper? Where you uh, actually had to flip it halfway through. Yeah, I remember those. They were weird, weren't they? It was the weirdest <coughs> thing. I had one, and I, was like, I thought it was the strangest thing because I, I it must have. I'd had normal playthrough, you know, from one-sided DVDs for, for, for before I came across this really random thing. Yes, and a DVD with an A side and a B side, and it's got half the film on each side. It's mm. really strange. And it wasn't like an old vinyl record where you could easily see which side was which. You needed a magnifying glass <laughs> to find true. out which side was the start of the film, didn't you? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And the, in the later days, they did, they did try and keep up the flipper idea, but um, because people were still a big fan of pan and scan, you'd get some DVDs where you had one side, which is the widescreen version, and one side, which is the pan and scan 4.3 oh, yeah, version, yeah, yeah. which was, as you pointed out, a complete bugger because the fact is they wrote the, the labelling on the inner ring of the disc so, because yeah, they couldn't put it on the actual disc itself. And therefore you put the disc in and you go... Ugh, wrong side. <laughs> yeah, but the part of the thing was, what well, once you'd identified which side had that written on it, you then had a 50-50 chance as to which way up your DVD player read the disc. <laughs> That's right, yeah. What, was it on the side that you have to needs put to be played? <laughs> Plus as well, that was in the days of really long menus as well, so you had to wait five minutes to find out which side was which. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I still don't know how I'd feel about having to flip and switch my um, my discs, was it five times in some cases for Laserdisc? Because films would not fit on one side of one Laserdisc. They would come in packs of two or three. And the idea is that you watch side one, switch over to side two, take the disc out, put in side three, watch oh. side three, flip over to side four. That sounds a little bit like when, um, you know, getting films on film actually, because they, they come in, obviously, you know, five or six cans and uh, you have to splice them all together. And, uh, I, 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 yeah, I remember when, when I was um, doing my uh, volunteer projectionist work at uh, 
Union Films in Southampton when we had the odd film that was too heavy for our projector because we had a we had a vertical tower and you could only fit so much on one reel and still put it on the top of the uh, of the um, of the projector tower until you broke the peg off and so when we you know had things in like Lord of the Rings then we had to we had to have an intermission because you couldn't get all of it on one because it wouldn't fit on one reel. Yeah, I'm now, now imagining you know death by complete Lord of the Rings laser disc box set or something which is just a tower. <laughs> Oh, I wonder if there's so many companies out there that are doing laser discs, because I think it'd be awesome if we were able to issue zombie vampires on laser disc. We'll have to have a look into that. <laughs> uh, I, I bet that wouldn't be cheap, even if it is possible. No, you know, it's not. funny actually when when something is being produced, uh, you know, as the last surviving remnant of a, of a of a previous, you know, the very popular thing by one company. That company really can charge whatever they want. Case mm. in point, typewriters. I had a look. I was having a look the other day to find out whether you can still buy a new typewriter, uh, a new mechanical typewriter. I'm not talking about a digital one. I'm talking about one that's you know chunky, clunky keys with a ribbon and everything. And there is one company still making new typewriters, and they cost over four hundred pounds each. Wow! Ouch! <laughs> but, yeah, that's crazy. But then things still get made. Even VHS is bringing it back to VHS. Um, yeah. I mean, we started this off based on this article talking about the, the death of it, and that sort of said, you know, it's not got this uh, vinyl thing yet going on where everyone's sort of love vinyl. Mm. But there's already this kind of look to VHS in a kind of nostalgic way, certainly in certain circles. I know certain horror films have actually been released in VHS because the fans remember that kind of 80s VHS kind of feel of, of horror. And there's this, there's this whole Facebook thing gone nuts at the moment where people are making VHS-style covers the very least for it. Mm. I must admit, I don't get it. I no. kind of get the vinyl thing, vinyl over CD, because if you can ignore the uh, the pops and the crackles, it is better quality sound in theory it's than more organic CD. Sound, it's more yeah. organic, yeah. But on VHS, no, it's just... The thing is, unfortunately, a more organic picture is just more fudgy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would say what we need to do is look to films like Planet Terror and Death Proof, which were originally... Yeah. as Grindhouse it's like yeah. Grindhouse there's a certain not just nostalgia but a certain element of of um, enjoyment in the sense of something that feels forbidden lost well, yeah, hidden I, I get that but I think you know if you take those as an example they're, they're more you know homaging the, um, the the cinema feel of those films and, and, and not necessarily the the you know the VHS. Oh yeah, but it's, it's the same appeal. It's the same audience. I think who it's the same audience that those films were aimed at. Who yeah. are getting these new VHS copies of of films and films on VHS. And in addition, you need to look at um, a lot of the people, a lot of the filmmakers who grew up in the same age we did. Take for example, Five Second Films and their recent magnum opus. Dude Bro Party Massacre 3, which has been released to look exactly like a VHS video, being grainy and being yeah. low quality and so on and so forth. Mm. Well, I, th- I, think, but I, mean, yeah, I think for like for homage purposes, for, for you know, for, for well, effectively jokes, you know, uh, in, in that sort of you know capacity, I think that that's but that's, that's making it look like it, not necessarily making it a VHS, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think uh, I think ultimately, I think it'll be, you know, it, it won't it won't resurge like like vinyl has i don't think because i i don't think the i think that the the look of it and the idea of it is has more appeal than the actual reality of it but i think it, it's more parallel to a resurgence of audio cassette yes rather yeah. than vinyl 
Um, and I can't imagine a, a resurgence of audio cassette. Well, in a way, there has been a little bit of a... Re- there is a very yeah. niche, very specific... Uh, you know, still appeal of video mm. uh, audio cassettes, and I think that is very yeah. analogous. Probably actually. too niche for consumers. Though, yes, I'd imagine. exactly. However, I do think there is a difference with that, and that is the audio cassettes. Aside from the joke of you know, what has a pencil got to do with this kind of thing? Um, there, there isn't as much nostalgia. VHS is fully integrated into the very first time people could own things. Video stores, the video nasty craze in the 80s and banning and the whole setup of the BBFC and this real crackdown came about based on these covers and this obscene material. It, yeah, it became a cult yeah. in itself, yeah. VHS. So I think there's enough people that VHS has a difference to audio cassette in the sense that it will never be like vinyl, which can have a genuine quality. But I think it will have its own collector's market based around that I whole... Think, I think it'll be more of a collector's yeah. market for the originals, though. I, I think less that... less you know, You're not going to get... The thing with vinyl is you've now got mainstream big bands releasing on vinyl. You're not going to oh, yeah. get you know your latest blockbuster films released on VHS. But then, to be honest, because you have come from a background of videotapes and films and so on and so forth, um, you, it's, it's more that you're kind of unaware of the fact that there's actually an audio tape resurgence that's as big as the videotape resurgence. There's a lot of indie bands who still to this day release on cassettes. Yeah. When it comes to videotapes and audio tapes, I think it, you're totally right though. It's a sense of nostalgia more than an improvement or a memory of of high quality. When it came to vinyl, things... It's more of a purist kind of movement, isn't mm, it? it yeah. the, the idea that vinyl sounds better, that was air quotes, um, <laughs> never went away. There's still people who are fully mm. of the belief that all vinyl sounds better than all CDs. Well, there's a, a power cinematic aspect uh, to borrow from Jeffrey Sconce, who's a writer who sort of looks on this idea of with this VHS sort of look, it's not about it looking better. Unlike, like, no, exactly, yeah, yeah. it's it's almost about it looking worse, about having that experience, but also about having something that feels authentic to a kind of yeah. different but that's, but that's, mode of viewing in the same yeah. way that we look back at something like Reefer Madness. But that's why yeah. I think it will continue to be very niche because um, a lot of people, in terms of their home media consumption do want something that looks better, looks good on their big TV and so on and so forth. They'd, oh, yeah, no, definitely. You know, so I, I don't think it's ever going to really... I know, don't think it'll be mainstream. It's a niche collector's yeah. market, yes, but I yes. don't think it's uh, as almost non-existent as the way Ben was saying. But. Yeah. I, I think the important thing to, to, to know is that you're never going to see VHS sections coming back into HMV or something like that. I think that's where... The, whereas vinyl sections are now taking mm. over more and more space in somewhere like HMV. Oh, yeah. I think it's fair to say a lot of the nostalgia that Mark has with VHS is probably from pre-recorded shop-bought VHSs. Um, whereas myself, we had very few shop-bought VHSs. Mm. For me, the nostalgia is all about uh, buying the blank VHSs and recording off the telly yeah. um, or um, hiring a video and and um, when we had two video players. Uh, but anyway, moving on from that... <laughs> We did that a couple of times too. 
So for me, the, the nostalgia <laughs> would would never take off. I would never buy um, a pre-recorded VHS, probably because I never bought them anyway when they were, you know, before DVDs. Mm. I'd always wait for it to come out on the telly and record it. Yeah. But I suppose also there was, the, there was something to do with the price factor as well, because although... DVDs now are very cheap. I mean, you can buy DVDs for three pounds, five pounds. You know, a lot of titles are that sort of price these days. VHS you know. never was. No, VHS never was. Not pre-recorded. Um, you know, you, you you were talking about sort of more like fifteen, twenty pounds. Yeah, you know, really. VHS only got down to that price yeah, towards the end the, when the, they were the trying to market. get rid of the VHSs. Yeah. Early nineties, twelve ninety nine was kind of standard. Yeah. And you'd get some at, if you saw VHS at ten pounds. In the 90s, you're like, ooh, bargain. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, but you know, the um, that's why the rental market stayed so, so um, you know, uh, so healthy during that phase. Because, you know, at £3 to rent a, D, a VHS, you know, when you, you know, could take it home into your, you know, double stacked VHS players, uh, was, was, was definitely worth it. <laughs> Do you remember when you could actually buy double stacked VHS players? I do, yes. <laughs> I remember. I never, never, ever owned one. And don't recall seeing anyone who had one but I do remember them seeing constantly in the Dixon's catalogue with the idea of it was like a a video recorder except it was almost like it was doubled where you could see like there was two yeah. two slots, um, yeah. two slots and you could do tape to tape yeah. and sell them down the pub to your friends <laughs> yeah. wait what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that I was five <laughs> um, so uh, I think that really we have mixed sentiments over VHS down to the way we took in our VHS content, be it pre-recorded or be it record off the telly, rent it pre-recorded and somehow... Tape tape. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can say that we have given it a good send-off here, though. A very thorough, a thorough, thorough eulogy. Of course. <laughs> Although it sounds as if uh, Mark doesn't quite want to send it off just yet. Oh, no, no. I'm, I'm hoping, fingers I'm crossed for a resurgence. But. I'm, I'm, I'm over it, but I certainly know that uh, a lot of people aren't, and there's definitely a uh, a market out there. I am very nostalgic over VHSs, but um, times have moved on, and I would never want to go back to that time where VHS is the only way we can record off the telly. Mm. I just hate the quality. It's it's just terrible. It's, it's hard to it's hard to remember how bad it was until you see it again, really. Isn't it? One good thing about the quality though is TVs were very very little back then, so you couldn't really tell the quality was bad. No, it wasn't but so bad. Yeah. Play it on a, a modern telly today, a fifty inch for four nine nine. Obviously, obviously, your videotapes were far too new. Get a videotape from the eighties, one of those really heavy ones, and the quality is still there. Mm. So I guess that about wraps it up for this episode of Breakout. Um, Please let us know your memories of VHS videos on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thegreatesc. So, from Felic, Ben, Chrissy, Mark, and myself, Rich, it's bye for now. Bye. Bye. Press rewind now. <laughs>